Well, hello there, listener. My name is Matthew Renfro, host of The Fro Show, and you're listening to another great Four-Eyed Radio product. For more shows, check out foureyedradio.com. Starfleet Escape Podcast. Prepare for launch in three, two, one. Enjoy the ride. Welcome to the Starfleet Escape Podcast on the Four-Eyed Radio Network, where we escape into the Star Trek universe. This is episode number 38, and is being recorded on April 17th, 2014. Today's topic, Alien Profile, Gorn. I'm Eric. I'm Ashley. And I'm Aaron. This episode is brought to you by Raven Designs, illustration and designs that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit ravencruise.com. Hi, guys. Hello. How's everyone doing today? I'm pretty good. Glad it's almost Friday. Hells yeah. Yeah, I think we all are. (laughs) I am ready for the weekend and for Easter and all the fun times. I'm actually um, volunteering for the Boston Marathon on Sunday, on Easter Sunday. Boston Strong. Yes. Boston Strong. Uh, We have a... Facebook cover photo and a Google Plus cover photo available for download that shows our support for Boston. Which it's the, it just happened a, a year ago um, this week. Yep, so a year ago on the 15th. Uh, I, I can't believe it's been a year already. It seems like yesterday. Yeah, it, it really does. And the Boston Marathon will be held this upcoming Monday. Uh, Hopefully everything goes well. Uh, We had a little snafu on the uh, anniversary. I don't know if you heard about it. Oh, I did. It was all over the news. (laughs) What? (laughs) Some some guy was being crazy, and he dropped a bag, and yeah, they blew it up. They also blew up a a local news station's uh, backpack that they left. Oh, okay. Well, better to be safe than sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So I hope everyone stays Boston strong, and I'm looking forward to seeing the marathon, I guess. I know. On TV, or I don't know if they televise it. Yep, it's televised. It's See, it's a uh, Massachusetts state holiday uh, called Patriots Day. Oh, okay. Has to do with the Revolutionary War. Yeah. Uh, so we get that uh, uh, get that holiday, and Maine, I believe, also gets that holiday. Uh, I don't know if you knew this, but Maine used to be part of Massachusetts. I did know that history. History. <laughs> history is good. But see, my job, I don't get Monday off. I have to work because Boom. I am an essential employee. Apparently. I'm not very essential at all, so <laughs> I get the day off. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so, why don't we get into some Star Trek news? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> After a two-and-a-half-year hiatus, the fan production Star Trek The Continuing Mission is returning with a new episode. The eighth episode of the series Cathedral in the Void will debut next month. Interesting. Ooh. Now, have you seen this uh, fan production, Eric? Not a single one of them. Neither have I, and they're on number eight. So, 
Hmm, maybe we should get Kraken. There are a ton of fan productions out there. There are. Way more than I remembered. It's hard to keep up with them. Right, and the production values are going up and up, so... Well, I'm I'm looking forward to this one. You know what? Maybe we should make one. Nope. Nope. Bad idea. (laughs) Well, we can green screen. Exactly. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> be uh, wait, didn't you guys want to do that like Star Pod, Star uh, Star Trek podcast? Like, oh, the... like this is a podcast. No, yeah. no, 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 not this. The... Is what we to do. <laughs> oh my you god! Mean, you mean that audio drama that we were? Yes, the audio drama. Whatever happened to that? I don't well, know. Like, like all good things. Moving on. Yeah. Oh, okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> Saturday Night Live skit from April 5th included an appearance of Captain Picard portrayed by Kyle Mooney. Yes, not the same Kyle Mooney of the Four Eyed Radio Network, but a different Kyle Mooney. <laughs> oh, I, I, I wanted the, re- the real Kyle Mooney from the Four Eyed Radio Network. I wanted him to be Picard. That's what I thought of at first when I read this, and I was like, what? Wait a minute. <laughs> so, in this skit, uh, there was a bunch of French references, and everyone's speaking French, and then, you know, Captain Picard comes out, and I, I think he speaks English, uh, which is funny, I guess, I don't know. I, I kind of just skimmed over the sketch. <laughs> I was like, oh, the sketch is kind of... You know, uh, SNL sketches, like, are hit and miss. Very hit or miss. So, yeah. But, hey, Star Trek was in Saturday Night Live, so that was cool. I actually saw another Saturday Night Live skit from a couple Saturdays ago, and I think you can find it on Hulu. But there was another Star Trek skit where they were doing, like, a Star Trek parody. It was when uh, Louis C.K. guest starred. Yeah, it was, and uh, he played uh, like an alien that liked uh, shirtless men pictures on his bridge. Yeah, it was. <laughs> and it they're was all funny. Kind of, they're all kind of confused. Like, why does he have shirtless men posters? It was. Uh, <laughs> I think it was a deleted sketch. Oh, okay. But I watched it on Hulu as well. It was. It was pretty funny. Yeah, it was really funny. They they got all of the Star Trek tropes right. Right, yeah, it was it was pretty good, and Louis C.K. kind of he looked kind of like a Klingon, but with like different hands. Yeah, it was, it, it was funny. Yeah, yeah, and they gave uh, the starship a uh, their own uh, picture, which was that, that was hilarious. Yeah, half, I, half naked picture. I actually oh, didn't man. get to see it. Not it's yet. It's funny. You should check it out. I shall, I shall. Next, in the summer of 2016, in time for Star Trek's 50th anniversary, the original model Enterprise that is currently at the Smithsonian's National Air and Space Museum will have a new home within the museum at the Boeing Milestones of Flight Hall. Wow. This this is going to be fantastic. Yeah. I've yeah. never been to the Smithsonian, but... I think I will go maybe in 2016. I walked by the Smithsonian. So you didn't go inside. <laughs> I didn't go inside, but I walked by it. Next we have Star Trek Live in Concert, which is coming to the United States of America. America. <laughs> They'll be stopping in Texas, California, Pennsylvania, 
with more cities to be announced soon. And this went over well in the UK last year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, we even talked about it on our podcast. Mm -hmm. I'm totally glad that this is coming over here because I would love to see this in Chicago. That would be amazing. That would be cool. Yeah, that would be cool. Or Boston. Boston, because yes. I'm not going to Chicago. <laughs> Well, Aww. you never know. Oh, no. Sorry, Eric. I actually have family in Chicago. Oh, you do? Very, very, <laughs> very, very distant, distant cousins. <laughs> it's on my mom's side. So we can just crash on that couch then. Sure. Okay. From Michael and Denise Akuta's Facebook page, not many folks remember that Ilea's theme, composed by the great Jerry Goldsmith for Star Trek The Motion Picture, actually had lyrics. Singer Raya Yarbrough has done a new recording of the song, and Mark Banning of BSX Music has put together a nifty music video. In that video, a link is in the show notes if you guys want to take a look at it. And I had no idea that this song had lyrics. Neither did I. Yeah. <laughs> That's so, cool. yeah, I listened to it. It, you know, sounds nice. It sounds like it's from the 70s. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's it's cool, I yeah, guess. It's cool because no. you, when you think Star Trek, you never think lyrics except for Enterprise. Right. Um, so, yeah, that was cool. And I've heard the odd recording of... The original Star Trek theme with lyrics, which sounds really bad, but... Yeah. Moving on. Star Trek Timelines. A new game is in the works from Disruptor Beam. In Star Trek Timelines, you'll team up with your friends to explore the galaxy, resolve diplomatic conflicts, become embroiled with in war... Discover new civilizations and research scientific breakthroughs, said Disruptor Beam CEO John Rattle. I always like new Star Trek games, even though I never play them. Yeah, same here. Uh, this will be available for iOS, Android, um, PC. Oh, well, if it's for iOS, I might actually play it. Yeah. I yeah. actually might, too, with my Samsung Galaxy. Oh, well, yeah. look at you. Fancy schmancy. <laughs> True that. So, Boston native Leonard Nimoy will be receiving the Governor's Award from the Boston chapter of the National Academy of Television Arts and Sciences in June. Woohoo! Woohoo. Uh, so that'll be cool. Uh, Leonard Nimoy's really been in our, our news feed lately. <laughs> Yeah, um, even though he doesn't do convention appearances anymore and is kind of done with Star Trek, he's getting out there, which yeah. is good. Wow. So, wow, indeed. <laughs> speaking of wow, word <laughs> came out that Kate Mulgrew was the narrator of The Principal, a documentary claiming that the sun revolves around the Earth. Through her Facebook account, she claims that she was misled about the true nature of the film. An excerpt from her statement says, I was a voice for hire, and a misinformed one at that. I apologize for any confusion that my voice on this trailer may have caused. Uh, I remember seeing this on Facebook, mm -hmm. and a lot of people were like, what is Kate Mulgrew smoking? <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> But apparently, uh, yeah, she was misled about the trailer, and I guess they cut her, what she said differently, to make it sound like the opposing view. Right. So, 
Yeah, I mean, she played one of the greatest scientific captains in Star Trek, and I don't think she would ever believe that herself as an actress or a person. Right, and they actually <laughs> took actual scientists, like real scientists, and... They did uh, the same thing. They, they they edited video to make it sound like it was going on their side, saying things like, oh, we don't really know the nature of the universe, um, wow. and taking it out of context. That's horrible. That's crazy. And I remember reading, oh, I forget which person it was, uh, but he said, I never remember doing that interview. They may have uh, you know, bought the clip uh, from oh. an agency and just use you know stock footage to make their point. So no one watch or support this documentary. <laughs> no, I I did go on their website though. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And I watched the trailer. I was like, oh, hmm. it was just edited very well. But that sucks <laughs> though. It does. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> yeah, and they have weird videos that they have posted to support their claim showing the gravity wells and switching it from having the sun in the center to having the earth in the center. Yeah. And they're claiming that having the earth in the center, I guess, stabilizes the wobble. I, I don't really know what they're trying to get at. I don't know. Besides, either. you know, screwing with people. Yeah. So the next thing... Star Trek Horizon set to premiere at the end of this year as a fan production set in the Star Trek Enterprise era during the Romulan War. The collation of planets, a young <laughs> alliance of worlds led by Earth, is at war with Romulan Empire. Dis Desperate for a chance to gain the upper hand in the war, the coalition forms an <laughs> alliance with Tamar, a Romulan deserter. In he really likes desserts. <laughs> in the hopes that she can provide valuable intelligence on her former masters. Dun, dun, dun. I am excited for anything that takes place during the Romulan War and is related to Enterprise. Yeah, uh, this looks really good, actually. It's set to come out the winter of this year. Uh, the effects look really good, at least that are on their site. Yeah, I'm surprised I haven't heard of this much sooner. There's a lot of stuff coming out. I don't... Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's, it's a good, good time. time to be a Trekkie. I was just going to say that. You took the yeah. words right out of my mouth. True that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right. So, would you buy it? Uh, first of all, would you buy this, Aaron? I would be very, very tempted to purchase this item. Well, since I have the first edition of this book, I actually have it. Uh, let me get it. It's right here. I actually have the the first edition. Oh, right here. nice. So, what we're talking about is the new updated edition of the upcoming hardcover Star Trek Ships of the Line 2014 edition, which will celebrate Trek with an updated edition of the acclaimed Ships of the Line hardcover book. The original book, published in 2006, featured images from all of the Ships of the Line calendars at the time, 
while the 2014 edition will include all the previous images and every image created for the Ships of the Line calendars since the original book's release. Holy that means moly. It's amazing. So that it'll means be double the size of... It will be double the size. Nice. That means that the new Star Trek Ships of the Line edition will boast more than 75 new images with all the images brought together for the first time in book format and complemented with text by Star Trek's own Michael Akuta. Star Trek Ships of the Line 2014 edition is edited by uh, Star Trek effects master Doug Drexler and Margaret Clark of Pocket Books and features text by Michael Akuta. It will be available October 28th for 30 bucks in the U.S. and 36 bucks in Canada. Holy and I am pre-ordering the heck out of this. Nice. <laughs> because I I collect the Star Trek Ships of the Line calendars, oh, you do. but I've actually missed a couple years. Okay. And I wasn't able to get the calendars, so it's great because now I'll have all of the images, which is what I buy the calendars for anyway. Right. Yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to it, and it's cool because in the original book, not only did they have uh, the pictures, as you can see. Nice. Yes. But they also told kind of like a mini story about okay. what the picture represents, and I'm really looking forward to the new version. Awesome. Yeah. Do they have, I'm not sure if it would be in that book you have, the first edition, but the Enterprise J? Uh, I believe the Enterprise J is one of the um, images in this book. Okay. Like they have the armored uh, Voyager. Mm -hmm. um, they have a lot of a lot of Voyager, actually. Um, they broke it down into chapters, and I guess each chapter was either a ship or a particular calendar. So they have a lot in here, and I'm really looking forward to see the, the new version. Awesome. I can't believe they came out, the uh, first one came out in 2006. That seems like so long ago. Well, yeah, the, the first book came out in 2006, but the Ships of the Line calendar has been going since 2001. Oh, wow, that's even longer. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. I, I have pretty much all of them up until 2010, and then I just have a few scattering here and there just because I missed out on a couple. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Nice. I'm excited. That's cool. Because I'm, I'm a big Star Trek, uh, like, ship nerd. Oh, so yeah. So this I book is perfect for me. Yeah, I don't know if it's a common thread with Trekkies, but I feel like every Trekkie really likes ships and yeah. uniforms. I don't, I'm big on uniforms and guns and ships. Because you're a man. Yeah. <laughs> I like guns and ships and... Yeah. All right. And hypo sprays. <laughs> I love those hypo sprays. <laughs> I like the communicators. All right. <laughs> now we're just going crazy, all right? All right. All right, so let's jump into the topic of the show, which is the Gorn. So the Gorn are a warp-capable, bipedal, reptilian species. Ooh. What? Scary. Dun, dun, dun. So, we first encounter the Gorn in the original series episode, Arena. Starfleet's first encounter with the Gorn was deadly. 
the Gorn destroyed the Federation colony on Cestus III. The Gorn believed the Federation colony was invading their territory, and their attack was, was a preemptive strike. The Enterprise 1701 pursued the Gorn ship to an unknown area of space where they were immobilized by a race calling themselves the Metrons. The Metrons placed the captains of the two ships on the surface of a planet where they were instructed to settle their differences in combat, only using intellect and objects found on the planet's surface. Kirk constructed a makeshift cannon to defeat the Gorn, but Kirk showed the Gorn mercy and allowed him to live. The Metrons did not expect Kirk to show mercy, so the Metrons allowed both captains to live and sent them back unharmed. Holy mackerel. It is such a good episode. I should probably watch that. Yeah, it's it's intense. It's an intense <laughs> episode. Right. So I watched this last night, this episode, and you can tell the rocks... Oh, hurling at each other. <laughs> That's the worst part. It's something that me and my dad always joked about because mm-hmm. the Gorn kind of throws it forward, and all of a sudden it goes pew and like goes up and where Kirk is on a big cliff. Yeah. So it's like the rock goes whoop, whoosh. <laughs> <laughs> and like it's, it's completely so ridiculous. Yeah, the, uh, the like struggles like that Kirk is doing. You can tell that he's act well. Obviously, he's acting, overly <laughs> acting, trying to get this boulder up and off the cliff as it bounces down into the Gorn. <laughs> oh. And the rocks are the wrong colors that they have. They're not the right color for the rest of the rocks in the area. Of course. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, styrofoam. What do you expect? Yeah. But the uh, Gorn captain... He was green in color, with thick, rubbery skin, with reflective eyes. And I discovered last night, rewatching this episode, well, sorry, rewatching the remastered. remastered version of the episode, they added uh, blinking eyelids. It's crazy. It is. It didn't. It takes you off guard, especially when you're not expecting it at first, because you know you <laughs> there's just these like <laughs> huge. Big crystal eyes. Yeah, and you know his mouth doesn't really move or anything, and he's like so stiff when he's walking. It's just like, and all of a sudden like he that. blinks. And I'm like, whoa! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was interesting, and I was glad to see that they didn't overuse the blinking because you know it, it could have been pretty bad. Pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> if like. What I want to see is the Gorn captain wink at Kirk. Like a... <laughs> hey, big fella. <laughs> you know I'm a female? <laughs> oh. Gross. Oh. <laughs> All of a sudden it becomes a whole different story. Oh, A man. whole different Star Trek. Although the animated series is largely considered not canon, they did have an appearance of the Gorn in the episode The Time Trap. The unnamed Gorn in the episode is very similar in appearance to the Gorn seen in Arena. 
the Gorn was serving on the Elysian Council on Elysia. Elysia is a small alternative universe in a parallel time continuum that periodically touched the prime universe in the Delta Triangle region of the galaxy. That's this, the region you need to avoid. Yes. This is an episode I need to watch because I have not completed my viewing of the animated series. Oh, yes. And yes. I had no idea that there was a Gorn in the animated series. Right. Uh, well, it's, he doesn't play a major role. But at least you see one. You see one. The color coloring of the Gorn is pretty similar to the original series Gorn, which... In the anime series, you get you know some wide ranges of colors. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so that's that was good. the The Gorn was green, so <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't pink. Purple. So. Yeah. Right. Uh, the next one is probably my favorite on screen appearance of the Gorn. Right. And we are talking about Enterprise in a Mirror Darkly Part Two. Part two. Don't like. Uh, we find out, like most cold-blooded life forms, the Gorn are known to prefer warm temperatures. In this episode, the Gorn was the slave master for the Tholians, which had taken over our universe's Defiant. Mm -hmm. And everyone on the ship, all the slave labor on the ship that was working there for the Tholians were scared of this Gorn because he was ruthless. I believe his name was uh, like Sklar or something like that. It was very like s uh, like snake-like. Yeah, I gotcha. In a different episode, the Gorn are mentioned. According to the Orion privateer Harad Sar in 2154, the Gorn brew the finest Mirador in the five systems. So I guess it's a Gorn drink. And that was from the episode Bound. Interesting. Huh. I don't recall that reference at all. But the uh, Gorn in uh, In Amir Darkly uh -huh. was completely CGI. Right. And definitely looked more reptilian than in the original series. Yeah, he actually had a large tail. He looked more like a almost an alligator. But I like that they kept his silvery eyes... And they kept all of the design elements, but made it more realistic, I guess. Right. And, and it was a pretty intense fight scene that they had with the Gorn. And uh, the Mirror Universe Archer is able to trick him and lure him into a variable gravity area of the ship where they increase the gravity, I think, 20 times. Oh, okay. And it, it kind of like force the Gorn to basically collapse on the floor because the gravity was so strong. Right. Interesting. It's, it takes a lot to take down a Gorn. It, I imagine so. Well, we saw how difficult a job it was for Kirk. Yeah. I mean, he threw boulders. He, he did his Kirk hand-to-hand -hand moves. <laughs> oh, yeah, he, like... Kirk Fu. Did the double... The double um, fist. Double he fist. Did the double fist. Hit, oh, yeah. The Gorn let him go after that. He's like, whoa... And then Kirk <laughs> ran away. <laughs> I think I think it, it stunned the Gorn. Yeah. I would be stunned too if Kirk did that to me. I'd be like, whoa, these moves are crazy. <laughs> whoa. <laughs> Calm down. I'm sorry. I didn't realize this was going to happen. 
those are the only times we see the Gorn in the show. Right. Which is which is sad. I like the Gorn. Right. It's, especially since Arena was is so iconic. Yes. And it's a scene that you know is shown over and over again in other <laughs> movies and, and shows, such as uh, I believe. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because that was filmed in the same area that they used, the Vasquez Rocks. Right, right. So that's kind of like a homage to it. Indeed. It's weird. I don't remember them mentioning them in The Next Generation at all. But No, there's no mentions. huh? Or Deep Space Nine. I feel like that would have been the perfect opportunity. Uh, but they did mention the Gorn in D Space Nine well, a couple did. times. Yeah, okay. I, I believe they did, especially during the whole Dominion War thing. Mm -hmm. Because I know there was mention of the Gorn hegemony, which is their, I guess, what they're called. Instead of the Klingon Empire, it's the Gorn right. hegemony, which is like their confederacy or whatever. So, mm -hmm. but where have where have the Gorn been seen in other places? So. In the Star Trek The Video Game, which came out last year... Which we still need to finish. Which we still need to finish. <laughs> <laughs> so, believe it or not, this game is considered canon, okay? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, I really don't feel that great about that, but whatever. <laughs> uh, so the Gorn are the villains in the 2013 Star Trek game set before... Star Trek Into Darkness. Now, in the game, they featured 15 different varieties of male and female Gorn, and they ranged in size... Uh, hello, ladies. <laughs> hello. Uh, uh, they ranged in size, intellect, and color, and they were uh, designed by Neville Page. They are depicted as originating from a... To see, this part I really don't like. They're uh, depicted as originating from another galaxy which they have conquered by the time they reach the Milky Way galaxy via a wormhole created by the terraforming device on New Vulcan. Uh, so the Gorn utilized a mind-controlling venom to turn enemies on each other, practiced bio-enhancement. Unlike regular reptiles, the Gorn don't lay eggs. They give live birth. Right. Which would make sense for, like, a humanoid species mm -hmm. as advanced intelligently. Right. McCoy mentioned, yeah, he does mention that in uh, yeah. Star Trek Into Darkness. Yeah, he's like, oh, yeah, I had to give birth to Gorn <laughs> babies. Birth. <laughs> or, <laughs> not. <laughs> he, he made them. He, he did he a cesarean. Them. He delivered them. Yeah. Hello, big fella. <laughs> oh no, corn babies! Uh, Not just one, but many. Right. And there have been other video game appearances by the Gorn. There exist certain groups within the within the hegemony, which include Kings Fleet Guard, Guardians Errant, and Defenders of the Egg. What? Which probably goes against the, what we just said. Right, but uh, this was from an old game. <laughs> right, the TOS video game Starfleet Command, which I really enjoyed, the Starfleet Command uh, game series. I did not play that. Oh, it's a or, must. Or, or did I? Hold on. 
Starfleet Command. Do you have Starfleet oh, See, Command? the versions of the game don't work on Newark systems. The game of that course probably, they don't. The game that oh, probably, Starfleet Command. I've played this. Right, it's it's a... Uh, I, uh, it's not real-time strategy, but you're... It's like you, a space flight real-time simulator. Right, you have to, like, uh, allocate system energies and... Oh, yeah, I totally remember this game. Feels, this is a good one. Yeah, yeah. The Starfleet Command... Three, which used uh, TNG aeroships, I believe. I mm-hmm. lent out to a friend and uh, never got it back. <laughs> yeah, the disc. Uh, I got one of the discs back, I believe, and the other disc vanished, and now I can't find it anywhere. So it makes me sad. Boo. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, according to the Star Trek original series video game Starfleet Command, which we just talked about, Gorn mythology states that the founders of their species consists of the mistress of the fertility Shahyaza and a figure known as the Great Father. Emphasis would be placed on the great egg bringer Shahyaza, for she saved the young Gorn eggs from being devoured by their father. The Great Father would be banished into space and never be worshipped again. Among Gorn, there exists a scale coloration, which is blue-yellowish. These Gorn are believed to be protected by the Mistress of Fertility, for they are nobles and spiritually pure. Those hereditary families that have a large number of blue-yellow-scaled Gorn are considered blessed with a symbol of Gorn strength. Very interesting. See, I like that better than Star Trek, the video game. I do too. (laughs) (laughs) So the next thing is from Starfleet Command 2. (laughs) 2! Gorn ships are created to reflect attitude of the Gorn race, which is straightforward and to the point. Oh, uh, a little sidetrack. We never a sidetrack. Oh, <laughs> snap! <Snappy>. Um, <laughs> we never see in canon a Gorn ship, except in the remastered episode. You can faintly see off in the distance. You can't make out any real detail except for the fact that there are two nacelles mm-hmm. and then a main body. Uh, unfortunately, because someone did uh, create a Gorn ship. Uh, but it w- the model was never, like, textured. So right, so it was meant to be seen far away. Yeah, which I think that, is unfortunate. Yeah, that's a shame. So I guess all we have to go on for ships is from these video games. Right. So next from Star Trek Starfleet Command 2, the Gorn race was actually three species who were genetically identical and lived on three separate worlds. After they achieved space travel, the three Gorn races discovered one another and learned of their similarity, whereupon it was discovered through fossil records that none of their planets was their race's true homeworld. Seeing the similarity, the three races joined one another in a single political unit. That's interesting. I like that backstory a lot better than what uh, the Star Trek game gave us. Yeah. And it, it, it actually reminds me of that episode of Voyager. With the Hoth, or, or God, what do they call him? 
Not the Hoth. I'm thinking no, of Star were Wars. Advanced dinosaurs. Yes, it, it does remind me of that. That they came from Earth. Right. And they had to use the fossil records, and they didn't know where they were from. Yeah, it definitely reminds me of that. Imagine. The, the, the Voth. Corn. The Voth? I think it's the Voth, not Hoth. Hoth is on Star Hoth. Wars. <laughs> Wrong <laughs> podcast. Yes, um, it is the Voth. Okay, yes. And that was an interesting storyline. Uh, it was. But imagine if the Gorn originated, if we were going with this backstory, story, if they originated from Earth. No. And they were... That would be crazy. Yeah, and they were <laughs> like the uh, Voth. That would be pretty cool. That would be cool. Man, we should be writing for Star Trek. We should, because, I mean, the dinosaurs were 65 million years ago. Mm-hmm. So who knows... That's that's a long time to evolve and develop space travel. Yeah, longer than we've been around. Exactly. So, next we move on to the novels. All of this information is from Memory Beta, which is Memory Alpha's sister site, and Memory Beta is devoted to the novels and games and stuff that's not necessarily considered canon. Mm-hmm. So first, executions on Gorn starships are carried out by spacing. That is from the Star Trek Titan novel, Seize the Fire. I, I would infer that that means you just throw them out of an airlock. Yeah, so that they just throw them out of an airlock to execute them. Yeah. It's effective. Like, what are you going to do with the body? Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, it's just going to go down from there. <laughs> flush them down the toilet? Exactly. Yes! <laughs> so the Gorn are born from specialized eggs that belong to different castes of Gorn society, which goes against what we learned from canonized Star Trek. But it is in line with the Starfleet command of video games. Indeed it is. Among the hardest to produce eggs were those of the military branches as their biology required specific environmental factors that were very hard to find naturally. And that comes from the... Yeah, uh, all of these come from the uh, Titan novel. Titan novels, yes. So, and that uh, goes with, like, reptile eggs on Earth. Like, different temperatures produce different sexes of reptiles, I believe, in certain species. Yeah, I have heard of that. Wow. I think it was, I heard of it in Jurassic Park. Actually, I did hear about it in Jurassic Park. <laughs> Jurassic Park for all your scientific reptile needs. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> Those of technical casts have multiple stomachs. Well, they got to get all technical and eat a lot, I guess. I, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Next, we move into the comics. Some individual Gorn get the creeps when around some mammals, just like humans. So we kind of get the creeps around mice mm-hmm. or that kind of a thing. Well, the Gorn are that way as well. And we learn about that from the Star Trek Alien Spotlight comic, The Gorn. Gorn cells regenerate at an amazing rate. The Gorn laser scalpel has a biograph spray option that would assist in the regeneration and the closing of wounds. And that comes from the Star Trek Alien Spotlight comic, The Gorn. Whoa, yeah, The Gorn. Next, we have The Gorn had achieved... Interstellar propulsion technology. As early Warp drive. Ma- what? Warp drive. Warp uh, drive. 
cool. As early as 500,000 BC when they established Funeral World on the planet what? Cenotaph. Cool. And that is from <laughs> <laughs> That is from the TOS comic Dying of the Light. The next one is a next generation comic that I have and I highly recommend this comic. You can find it in a uh, serialized hardcover book, mm -hmm. and it's it's awesome. It's a really good story. And that's the TNG comic, The Gorn Crisis. So in 2374, which I believe is shortly after First Contact, the movie, after decades of peaceful relations with the Federation, the Gorn government was toppled by a coup d'etat, and a new offensive was launched against Cestus III. A halt to these hostilities was negotiated by the crew of the USS Enterprise E, who also managed to persuade the Gorn to join the Federation Alliance in the war against the Dominion. Oh, uh, yeah, that does sound like a good comic. It's excellent. Oh. I highly recommend it. have to get my hands on that. So next we have RPG slash reference books. So the first one here, the Gorn State was the Gorn Hegemony. <laughs> that comes from the Star Trek reference, The Worlds of the Federation. I have that book. Oh, snap. And that is a good book. It's a real good book. It talks about their planet and their biological functions, and it's, it's pretty cool. So of multiple worlds... Yes, there's. Um, it just it doesn't just cover some worlds of the Federation. Mm -hmm. It also covers like enemy species. Uh, and it's it's an older reference book, but I really love the illustrations in it. Okay. They kind of do like a front profile of the species and like a side profile, and they show the like a drawing of what their world looks like. It's pretty cool. That sounds cool. It does sound cool. Uh, next, Yusa uh, Grisser is a concept of manifest destiny, which is one of the basic tenets of Gorn philosophy. It combined with Gesi Grisker to form the baseline of Gorn honor, and that's from the FASA RPG module Demand of Honor. Oh. And there are plenty of other RPG and reference books out there. Um, I know I've got one that's, it's literally a whole book all about Endorians. Oh, really? And, yeah. So the RPG books, if you can find them, uh, they're usually from a company called The Last Unicorn. And they give a lot of good insight into alien races and technology, and it's to help people who do role-playing games, whether online or uh, kind of like a World of Warcraft. No, no, not World of Warcraft. Like Dungeons and Dragons, but think Star Trek. Okay. So there are, there are several role-playing books, and I really like them because they help expand the universe. Mm-hmm. So it, they these books help you just get into character. They help you get into character. They give you backstory on technology and okay. different races, and they also give you story ideas. That it's pretty cool. cool. It is really cool. It's a lot of fun. So do they have something like just only on the Gorn? No, they don't. But I guess I don't know. I think this FASA that's a different kind of role-playing game type that you can play. So I guess they have certain 
of these RPG modules which talk about certain species. And I think that's where this bullet point comes from. Very cool, very cool. And like we said, there was so little screen time of the Gorn. That yeah, a lot of this had to be made up. Yeah. I want to see more Gorn. I would love to see how they tackle the Gorn in maybe the J.J. Abrams verse. Because mm-hmm. we know they exist because the video game... Exactly. So, and yeah. I would love to see the Gorn from the video game in live action. I think that would be amazing. It would definitely be a way to bridge the two together. Right. Because you just have that fleeting line from McCoy saying that he you know, delivered some live Gorn babies. <laughs> right. And, and that's it. There's no other real connection to this like pretty significant mission within yeah. the video game. Yeah, well, the enemies of the entire video game are the Gorn. Right. They're <laughs> they're pretty much all the people that you're fighting throughout the entire game. So, I don't know, I, I want to see more Gorn, whether it's in canon or comics or whatever. They sound very, very interesting. You right. need to watch Arena tonight. Yeah, I probably <laughs> might. Maybe you, pro- you probably won't, but you should. <laughs> <laughs> for the blinking alone. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it for the blinking. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, I tell you, like you're not expecting it, and then all of a sudden, blink. It's like bloop. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on to our next section of the show, the subspace channels, and this week we asked. How would you defeat the Gorn in the classic TOS episode, Arena? Dun-dun-dun! I don't have an answer for that, but I'll have to think of one. Carry a big phaser cannon. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I would do it. (laughs) Just do it with your bare hands. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I'm not going hand-to-hand with the Gorn. No. I, I actually kind of like living. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they have uh, pers- I like my life muscle mass. Uh, so it wouldn't be recommended, you know, hand to hand combat. Uh oh. Like like Eric said, a phaser cannon, um, maybe some antimatter charges <laughs> might be useful. Or how about fire all phasers? <laughs> fire all phasers. <laughs> fire all, <laughs> fire all every single phaser you've got at the Gorn. Exactly, you know. <laughs> so let's see what the people said. <laughs> from Twitter, our only answer from Twitter is from at Star Trek Riza, who said, do you not use Kirk Fu? Wink face? Wink face. Uh, yeah, uh, it worked once, right? Yeah, once. I don't think that's going to happen again. Right. I'm sure they've mastered a counter maneuver. To a counter maneuver? Yeah, it's called biting the person in the face. That's yeah, you a counter maneuver. See how massive his his jaw is. Why did he oh. really bite his arm? Oh, um, I think Flocks old Mirror Universe Flocks mentioned in that Mirror Darkly episode that they have the bite force similar to that of a Earth alligator. And alligators have the biting pressure. It's like a ton of biting pressure. Literally 2,000 pounds. So a Gorn could literally bite your arm off. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, why? 
Yeah. That would be my go-to move if I was a Gorn. Just bite people's arms off. Yeah. <laughs> nom. Nom, nom, nom. So moving on to Google+, Plus, we have our good friend Clive Burrell, who says, walk very quickly. <laughs> Was that the shortest answer we've ever got from Clive? Actually, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love you, Clive. You're awesome. But... That was the most succinct answer we've ever got from him. Yeah. Uh, so just walk away quickly. Yeah, that's pretty straight to the point. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Clive. Thanks, Clive. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Schmidt said, I would have started by constructing some sort of rudimentary lathe. Oh, okay. Ah, interesting. <laughs> Steve R. says, smack him on the ears. Which Kirk did. It, it worked for Kirk. Yeah. But would it work a second time? Oh, sure. Why not? <laughs> Next, we have uh, Joseph, who says, Justin Bieber music. No, sorry. We don't want to torture him. Just kill him. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I think wow. I think Justin Bieber music kills me a little inside every time I hear it. Baby, baby. Nope. Shut the hell up. Uh, <laughs> uh, Robert Hader says, "Waited till night when lizard metabolic rate slows down. Then drop a big rock on him and repeat. And keep repeating." Yeah, keep repeating dropping heavy rocks on the sleeping Gorn. Right. <laughs> Kirk did it. It didn't seem to really hurt him all too much, so no. just saying. And last answer is from Robert Huswick, um, who says, I would have kept going with the gunpowder thing that Kirk was trying. Right. Yes. So within the episode, uh, like we said, Kirk makes a rudimentary cannon by taking different components to make gunpowder. He finds diamonds, like these huge diamonds, yes. shoves them into the cannon, fires the cannon, and then shards of diamonds penetrate the tough, rubbery husk of the Gorn skin. Wow, that was so descriptive and awesome. I was trying there. <laughs> that was really good. So what puts your quantum state into flux, Aaron? So this week, my quantum state of flux is caused by the creation of multiple Gorn classes and making them a species from another galaxy in the Star Trek The Video Game, which seems a little much for my tastes. The only reason the Gorn make it to the Milky Way galaxy in the game is due to a terraforming device at New Vulcan that created a wormhole. How did this species make it to the Milky Way galaxy in the Prime Universe? Brian Miller, the senior vice president of Paramount Pictures and producer of the game, said that the events of the game are canon. So somehow the Gorn made it into our home galaxy in both universes by some kind of random anomaly. That seems highly unlikely to me. And to me, I completely agree with this. I, I like to think that the games are not canon. I mean, let's go with Paramount, what they've said for years, mm -hmm. that what we see on screen is what is represented. And we've talked about this before, the fact that they 
deemed it canon a video game was a complete first for this right. franchise. So right. what about making the books canon? Because the books have a very awesome ongoing storyline. What mm -hmm. about that? Then right. you would have the novels contradicting this video game. So I, I agree. This this quantums my flux quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, I would I would like to think that the Gorn are from our home galaxy. Yeah. Uh, given the fact that we hear about them in Enterprise, then we see them in Amara Darkly. Granted, it's a parallel universe, but they're in our galaxy. Yeah, and Enterprise predates the alternate timeline. Right, exactly. So the Gorn are already here. Right. And they're already right. working with other Alpha Quadrant species like the Tholians. So there you go. Yeah. Take that, JJ. Take, <laughs> <laughs> Take that, JJ. It's not JJ's fault. No. Take that, Brian Miller, Senior Vice President of Paramount Pictures and producer of the game. What were you thinking? <laughs> Good God. <laughs> Good God. Or, boy. You know, maybe they could uh, classify this to kind of bring it full circle. Maybe the species in the game was one of the three different Gorn species, like in our previous. Maybe they maybe they were from another galaxy because if they developed or if they developed interstellar flight five hundred thousand years ago, that would be enough time for them to travel to another galaxy and come back. Even with warp drive through generational ships. I can connect anything. <laughs> yeah, uh, that would uh, that could work. I would hope that they would have developed some faster form of travel, but they were very very fast in the TOS episode arena. That yes. the the Enterprise were pushing their engines to try to overtake them. And I loved that fact because it shows that the Gorn have been around for a long time and they've perfected their technology to the point where high warp speeds, it means nothing to them. Mm -hmm. right. And they, they actually seemed more powerful than Starfleet. Their weapons seemed more powerful. Uh, they were faster. And our weapon systems didn't seem to damage their shields at all. Right, so they could be they could be a huge threat. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised they didn't try to take over the Federation. Well, maybe it's just that they're very territorial and they just uh, like yeah. to stick to their home systems. I, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, that that's a good point. Uh, yeah, it could be that they don't. Um, you know, that Branch they're not out. an empire that expands. Right. So yeah, good. Point. And the fact that the um, comic book, at least in the Gorn Crisis. Uh, it seems like the Gorn and the humans were able to, uh, you know, have a peace. They had a truce. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of that was due to the original series episode, Arena, with the Metrons, which basically told them, hey, you know, we let both of you go. So maybe there's that mutual understanding that was there. Right. Good point. Uh, yeah, I, I love the Gorn. I think they're a fascinating species, and I just wish we had uh, more of them in the show. Yeah, definitely we need more canon references to the Gorn. Indeed. Maybe the next movie that comes out will feature the Gorn? I doubt it, but what I would like to see is a Gorn presence in a TV show. Yes. 
that would be interesting if they somehow did kind of like what happened with Worf, where Worf was kind of like a species exchange and he became the first, you know, Klingon in Starfleet. I would like to see a Gorn in Starfleet. That'd be interesting to see. Actually, I did, to go off topic, I did, I wanted to create my own Star Trek, like, comic book back in uh-huh. high school yeah. with its own ship, and I designed a whole ship and all this stuff, and I wanted to make the ship, and this was before, this was way before Star Trek tie-in novels came out, and okay. my idea was to have a ship that had the most diverse crew in the Federation. So it had the most alien species on the ship. Mm-hmm. And one of the crew members I created was a Gorn. And in Star Trek Titan, they have the most diverse alien species ship in the Federation. So, wow. yeah. I, it's like some someone read my mind and said, that would make a great idea. You never posted but that anywhere, did you? I didn't, because that was back in high school. Uh, uh. <laughs> That's that's the Gorn. Uh, Thank you all for listening. I think this was a good summary of the species. We should do more alien spotlights. We should. And people, let us know what species you want us to talk about. Yeah, do you have a favorite species? There's plenty to choose from, uh, like (laughs) Eric's Eric's, uh, Andorians. Yeah, that's my absolute favorite. Uh, Thank you for remembering this very touching. I like Vulcan. Ashley likes Vulcan. What was that, Eric? I, I said thank you for remembering. It's very touching. Oh, yes. Uh, no problem. Well, you uh, like Vulcans, too, Aaron. That's... I do like Vulcans. He kind of looks like one with his pointy ears. Indeed. Ha! ha. And, and the eyebrow raise. Yes. Yes. And Leonard Nimoy, a Boston... Um, <laughs> Bostonian. The blue, blue, blue. He's originally from Boston. I, I don't know if that makes some kind of connection. It uh, does. It does. So I like Vulcans. I like other species as well. My other. You, you know what? Vulcans like you. Uh, oh. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And until next time, I'm Aaron. You can find me at Nova Charter on Twitter. <laughs> I'm Ashley, and you can find me at lilcutegirl86, that's L-I-L-Q-U-T-E-G-I-R-L. Eight, six, on Twitter. Yes, on Twitter. W-I. I'm Eric, also known as uh, TrekkieB47 on Twitter. I'm not going to spell it out. Little in the front of her yeah, I handle know. Get, might get people caught up. Uh, keep on trekking. We'll see you next time. Woohoo! Oh, yeah. Not enough woohoos in this episode. No. Woo! Let's make up for it now. Woohoo! Trichosaurus Rex. Trichosaurus by Riker's beard. <laughs> By Riker's beard, I stab at thee. You have been listening to the Starfleet Escape Podcast on the Four-Eyed Radio Network, where you can catch a new episode every other Monday. You can find us on the web at sfescapepod.com. Follow us on Twitter at sfescapepod. Like us on facebook.com slash sfescapepod. And add us to your circle on Google Plus by going to google.sfxkpod.com.
This has been another great presentation of the Four-Eyed Radio Network. You can catch more shows at foureyedradio.com.